Welcome to this episode of the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. The Greenville Oaks Church of Christ seeks all who need Jesus and together are becoming His fully devoted followers, encouraging and equipping people to love God, love people, and serve others in an ever-growing way of life. Find out more about Greenville Oaks or connect with us online at greenvilleoaks.org. As always, we ask that you subscribe to, rate, and review our podcast. It makes it easier for others to find us. And now, on to this week's message with Lead Minister Colin Peck. Well, this is our final message in our series, Launching Disciples. And over the last five weeks, we've talked about uh, a problem that we've got in our churches. And that is that as many of our students that walk through youth group and walk through their student ministry years following Jesus... The one in every two of those students who go through youth group end up uh, not following Jesus after high school. They, when they graduate from high school, often they graduate from faith. And we don't think that's a, a stat that we want to continue as a church. We want to see as many of our young people who grow up here be launched into the world with a faith that's resilient, a faith that will hold on in the years ahead of them. And there's a lot of things we've talked about over these last few weeks about how we can be a part of that. And several weeks ago, we had our family dedication service where we dedicated our babies to God and we committed as a church family to helping to raise these kids in the way of Jesus. Uh, last week we had our senior Sunday and, uh, something that happened outside of the service is we had our sixth grade blessing. That's a transition point for our sixth graders moving into those student ministry years, praying blessings over them, parents writing those out. And I, I, I heard what an incredible time that was. And then last week, again, we had our senior Sunday where we celebrated these seniors that are being launched into the world, launched in uh, to, to life ahead of high school into whatever area they may be moving into. We want to launch them well, and we tried to do that in a special way last week. I was grateful for the messages that they brought about the impact that many of us have had in their lives, and we're excited to see how that journey will continue. But this week, let us close this series, and I want to close us with a, a sense of hope. We've talked about the problem, but I think there are reasons for hope And a lot of that has to do with how we as adults in this church, we who are further on in this journey, step into the lives of our kids and our students at key moments, our young adults. Uh, And so this morning, I want to share a Bible lesson with you. I want to have us share several testimonies that some in our congregation are preparing to share. And then uh, I want to give you a challenge before we close today. Let's pray as we open God's word this morning. Oh God, you are our God and earnestly we seek you. We long for you as thirsty people of the desert, long for water in a dry and weary land where there is none to be found. You are our oasis, God. You are the place that we come for hope. You are the place that we come for um, revival. You are the place that we come because we could not stand without your word that breathes life into our lungs. God, we give thanks today for our time together, for our time at the table, for our time in singing words about how good a father you are and the 10,000 reasons we have to praise your name. This morning, God, I pray that as we leave this series, as we launch our kids into the world and prepare ourselves to become a better launch pad in the years ahead to pass on and transmit faith to the next generation, I pray today, God, you would pour through me the gift of preaching so that Christ would be formed in our hearts. And it's the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. It's amazing what we remember and what we don't. I got to confess this morning, Holly may have a better memory of this, my wife, than I do, but I don't remember the first words 
that each of my three kids said growing up. Now, some of you may remember that because it was mama or dada, and you were the one that was the winner in that battle, right? But what's interesting is I may not remember that, but I do remember words that were spoken nearly 50 years ago before I was born on July 20th of 1969. It was the moon landing. Yes, we're coming up to the 50th anniversary of that. And some of you remember this scene very well. So if you don't remember those words, let's watch this video to stir our memory. I'm going to step off the limb. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. It's one small step, and in a sense, that's right, that Neil Armstrong had taken lots of steps in his life. This was nothing new, and yet it was a giant leap. It was the keeping of a promise that had been made almost a decade before by President Kennedy, who poured uh, money into a system at NASA and, and developed astronauts and mathematicians were a part of that and engineers. All of these people came together in order to launch a man on the moon. It was one small step, but it was one giant leap. The point I'm trying to make in today's sermon is one of the simplest concepts I've tried to communicate from this stage or any stage, really. But while it's simple, I think it's more difficult to put into practice. And the principle is this. Small changes can make a big difference. Small changes can make a big difference. How many of you would raise your hand and say, I believe that's true. I believe that small changes can make a big difference. I think I see a lot of hands. Most of us would agree with a statement like that. But we can say that with our words. But the proof is in our actions, right? Your actions show that small things can make a big difference. I mean, I believe that an hour in the gym, five days a week would transform my body. If you were to ask my uh, you know, person at the gym, how many weeks out of the last 52 weeks that I've been in the gym, five different days for an hour at a time, they would not tell you all that many. Small changes over time can make a big difference. Let me take you back to the classroom, geometry classroom. Do you remember your teacher? Do you remember the symbols maybe on the walls? Do you remember the degrees? Do you remember the theorems that you had to remember for the tests? How many degrees are in a circle? Do you remember this? Starting easy, right? 360. Check my math if you're, uh, I may be wrong on some of these. So. Um, now, if you, if you walk in one direction, and then this is what repentance is, right? Is walking in one direction with our lives and turning around completely to walk in the opposite direction. If I were to turn all the way around and walk directly in the opposite direction, how many degrees difference is that? 180, right? Just half of 360. And if you're at a stop sign and you may decide to make a, a, a right turn, how many degrees are you turning to make that right turn? 90 degrees. You guys are doing great. Now, when we think about changes in our lives, we tend to think about them this way. Is I'm on this path and I need to turn all the way around or I'm, I'm, I've gotten a little bit off track and I really need to turn 90 degrees to get back on track with where I've been headed. But I want to tell you one degree of difference over time and over a distance, one degree can make a massive difference and a change in your life. Which brings me back to one of the most frustrating moments of my athletic career. Don't laugh. I was an athlete at one point. During my senior year of high school, I was the captain of my golf team, 
And uh, our, our team uh, had a group of five that would go around to these different tournaments. And every year there was a district golf tournament. And, and, and that year we went to the district golf tournament and we did quite well. The top three teams got to advance to regionals. And our team was part of the top, five, top three. So we moved on to the regional golf tournament. And the same was true there. If we were in the top three teams of the region, we would get to go to the state golf tournament. And that was something we'd set out as a goal from the beginning of the year. The junior year, I hadn't gotten a chance to go, but my freshman and sophomore year, I'd had a chance. And so I was really hoping for my senior year to practice and to get this team together and to get there. And so we get to to the regional golf tournament, which was held at the Trophy Club Golf Club. Some of you may have played there before. It was a two-day tournament. And after day one of that tournament, it was pretty clear that our team was not going to be making it uh, to the state tournament. But there was another way you could get to the state tournament, and that was to be in the top 10 individuals in the regional tournament, the top 10 got to go to compete as individuals for the state championship as an individual at state tournament in Waco. So I was really excited about that opportunity. After day one, I had a chance and I, I went out and I was excited. I watched, you know, listened to the right music going to get me pumped up for this. And yeah, you got to do that for golf too. It's hard to believe, but it's true. And, and so I got up there on day two and I was doing all right. I thought I had a chance and I got up to the 12th hole. I'll never forget that round, I'll never forget this hole. It, par three, and I was, after two shots, I was one foot, 12 inches from the hole, and I missed that 12 inch putt. I got lazy at the moment. My putter wasn't perpendicular to the hole, and I missed the putt. I get around to 18, and everybody's waiting by the scoreboard to find out if which teams get in and who were the top 10 medalists, individuals to be able to go to state. And so I'm watching the scores as they come in, and it's going to be close. And after all the scores come in, there's a seven-way tie for 10th place, and I'm one of those seven. So the way they decide that is you have to go back out on the course, and one of the seven, after a sudden hole playoff, how many ever holes it takes, will get a chance to go to the state tournament. And so uh, I'm excited. Some of these students are already in a state tournament because their team is already advanced, and I'm hoping that maybe this will be it. So I get out there, and I got to tell you, I didn't make the state tournament that year. <clears throat> and it wasn't because of the playoff. The reason I wasn't in the state tournament was because of on hole 12, there was a 12-inch putt that I missed. And if I just made that putt, I would have been in the state tournament that year. And I've been on couches ever since trying to deal with the pain of all that. (laughs) My concentration slipped in that moment. I didn't think it was all that big of a deal. How do you miss a one-foot putt? Have you thought about that? I mean... It's really hard to do that, actually. Your putter's just got to stay perpendicular. It can actually be about a degree off and be just fine. In fact, it had to be more than two degrees off, I think, from a foot in order to miss that putt. But sure enough, I missed the putt. And if you think about it, golf is this game of kind of small misses, right? Small degrees off. You think about a driver that's hit, just being a small degree off center can send your shot a lot of different directions. And just in the putter game, right, a five-foot putt, the putter has to be open or closed by two degrees if you're online, at least on plane, in order to miss the hole. For a putt to go in at eight feet, the angle of the face needs to be less than one degree open or closed in order to make the putt. And while golf is just a game, the same principle is true in all of life. Small degrees of being off course over time makes a bigger impact. 
After 100 yards, think about a football field. If you have a target in mind, right, say it's the pylon, and you're trying to get to the pylon before the others come to tackle you, right, that target, if you were to miss it by one degree, ends up taking you 5.2 feet off course. After a mile, you're off course by 92.2 feet. But if you're traveling from San Francisco to L.A., you're going to be off by six miles of your destination in mind. Let's think about it across the country, from San Francisco to Washington, D.C. If you're off one degree, you'll end up on the wrong side of Baltimore, 42 plus miles away. But if you're trying to shoot for the moon, which has been our theme for this series, one degree would put you off by 4,169 miles. One degree. But this principle isn't just true about the errors that we make, about the ways we go off course and the distance it takes us off course. The same is true about the one degree of difference we make in the right direction. That small changes can make a big impact. Small degrees of movement can turn us in the right direction. And I think this is what Jesus is talking about when we come to one of the parables he teaches in Matthew chapter 13. Open your Bibles if you have them or open, scroll on your phones to get to Matthew 13. I want to read this parable about a mustard seed. I want you to listen for that kind of idea about small differences or small things and the impact they can make. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field, though it's the smallest of seeds. Yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. This is actually a jar full of hundreds of mustard seeds tiny seeds. And yet if you've ever had a garden and something's a mustard seeds found its way in, it can kind of take over the garden. It's hard to control. Same is true of large trees that are built, right? They start with one single seed planted in the ground. And yet over time, when they grow up from the soil, they can grow into massive oaks, massive pine trees, massive, whatever it is that the seed might be. One small step can be a small thing, but over time it can cause a giant leap. And if you're a parent or an influencer of a child, you are constantly doing this. You're scattering seeds. If you're a teacher, if you're a preschool teacher, that's what you're doing. You're constantly scattering these little seeds, nuggets about the kingdom of God or the gospel. You're, you're planting into them visions about what their future may be, what their gifts are from the Holy Spirit of God. And when you plant those seeds, they sometimes are going to get picked off. But other times those seeds could change everything in their lives. And it only takes one seed to be planted to grow into a mighty oak. And as I thought about this principle, I thought, you know, the best way to testify to the truth of this principle isn't to tell you stories about my own life. In fact, what I did was I sent an email out just a couple of weeks ago that many of you probably got. And, I, and what I asked for was, do you have a time in your life where um, a mentor, someone who was an adult that was older than you or ahead of you on the spiritual journey, gave a small word or a small action that made a monumental difference in your life? I loved reading those responses. Thank you for the way that you shared your stories about mentors that stepped in. In fact, I chose from just a few because I couldn't get to all of them or read them all uh, in service today. And so I asked a few to, to come up on stage and share their story, their testimony about a small act, a small word that made a big difference. So I want to ask those who I talked to this week to come up on stage, if you would, uh, to share your testimony with us. 
And what I want you to hear is these people are sharing their story. Matt, if you grab that mic on the way up. What I want you to hear as they share their story is, how do small words make a big difference? How do the things that you don't think matter? Why don't y'all come up here a little bit more into the front? How do the things that may seem minuscule or like they don't really matter, how can they make a huge difference in, in a life? How can they change a trajectory? How can one degree of difference make a massive change? I, I was grateful to hear these stories uh, over the last couple of weeks and, and this morning. I want us to share them again. So Matt, would you start for us your story? Uh, I've been very fortunate to have a, a lot of incredible people in my life mentoring me from professors in school to, to ministers uh, to, to a number of different individuals, men and women. Um, but none more so than this woman. And uh, her name was Ina Withrow. And uh, Ina taught my third grade Bible class at my church. So I was eight, and like most eight-year-olds, I, I wanted to have fun in Bible class and spent more time in the back corner playing with my friends. But I'll never forget one morning after class when Miss Withrow called me over as we were leaving, the bell rang. We had bells back then. And uh, the bell dismissed us, and we all started walking out of class. And she said, Matt, come here just a minute. And she said, uh, she said Matt, there's something special about you. You have a gift. And, uh, and I think someday you're going to be a minister. And I looked up at her and said, okay, and went about my business like most third graders would. But she would continue to, to mention that to me. And I'll never forget that uh, eight years later at Senior Sunday, just like we celebrated recently, uh, I was preaching the, the sermon on our high school Senior Sunday. And uh, when I was done, she came over to me and gave me a hug and, and didn't say anything, uh, but just, I'm proud of you. And... Uh, Lots of great people have spoken into my life. Lots of great people have mentored me, but none more so than Miss Withrow in third grade, who spoke words that forever changed my life. In 1985, um, I started a new job at a little bank in Oklahoma City, and uh, it was a really tough time in my life. I had uh, just gone through a divorce. The kids were little. They were six, four, and two. And uh, I was angry, really, really angry, really bitter. Uh, and um, we had a cafeteria at the bank that in those days, kind of like the bells ringing, yeah. Uh, so uh, we would eat together. Uh, lots of people would sit at a table. And, and uh, I would just remember one day, uh, the, the topic at lunch was my ex-husband. And uh, he was pretty barbecued by the time I got finished. Um, you know, child support check was late or it was short or something else, something else, something else. And uh, I didn't really have one kind word to speak. So after lunch, uh, headed back over to my desk and a friend of mine or a, a new colleague named Judy uh, kind of calls me aside and says, Debbie, uh, you seem like you're really angry, really bitter. I'm like, yeah, yeah, probably got that right. Um, she says, well, I have a question for you. Uh, do you pray for Steve, for your ex-husband? And I'm like, are you kidding? No. And she's like, well, do you pray with your children? I said, yeah, I pray with my kids 
all the time, at, at night, whenever. She's like, well, I, I just want to encourage you to begin praying for your ex-husband. Pray that he will be blessed. Pray that he will find happiness. Pray that he'll be a good father. And you may not really mean those words uh, when you first start, but if you will just continue to do that, uh, I think it'll bless you. And I, I hardly knew Judy at the time, but I knew that the words that she spoke to me were wisdom. And so I began that, and I began praying. And it didn't change things for me overnight, but little by little, um, forgiveness began to chip away at the anger. And I think it was a, a revelation to me that it's very hard to maintain anger and bitterness towards someone that you're lifting up to God and asking for, his, for him to bless. So Judy's words did change my life. So I remember a conversation when my wife and I were living in College Station with Dustin Barty. We were talking about ministry and raising a family. I remember at some point in that conversation, he looked at me and looked down at his uh, wedding ring and said, you can't remember you put this. You cannot forget that you put that on. You can't forget that you're married, that you're a father, and that those two things in ministry, they must mesh. And you cannot let one of those overtake the other. And the good thing at this church, it makes it real easy to remember those things and uh, to be a minister in whatever capacity that is here. And I heard a wise statement last year that took this conversation I had with Dustin to another level. It was, it does not matter what type of ministry you are involved in. What matters is that you are preparing people to be disciples for Christ And it was fascinating to think about how these two beautiful things, being married, being a father, and being called to be a minister, are equally important to God. Uh, For me, uh, my beautiful wife and I were living down in Houston, Texas, uh, going to Clear Lake Church of Christ. Um, There's a man there by the name of Bill Noland. uh, And if anybody's had the pleasure of getting to know Bill, if you've gone to Clear Lake Church of Christ, you know Bill. He teaches a Sunday morning class um, centered around the Gospel of John. Uh, And like uh, anybody that's been in a small group or a community group or rooted or discipleship group, uh, they know I like to ask a lot of questions. And so in Bill's class, I asked a lot of questions, Um, probably too many questions. And one day after class, he took me aside and he said, hey, why don't we meet just you and me? Um, Let's have a conversation. And he would invite me over to dinner at his home uh, numerous, numerous times. He invited Kelsey and I both numerous times. Um, and he taught me a lot. Um, you know, he, we talked about baptism. We talked about miracles and how and why. And, um, but the most important thing that I, I got from that, and I didn't see it at the time. I see it now looking back on it, is uh, he invested in me. He poured his heart and soul into me. Uh, I was a 29-year-old man who... Uh, at the time, was a football coach and uh, didn't didn't attend church um, in, in that moment in my life, and hadn't been baptized at that moment in my life, and and he helped guide me to that, um, just by 
taking the time and, and wanting to uh, see me be a better person, a better version of myself. And um, the young people of this church, um, my goal is to turn around and do the exact same for them. Uh, you know, I hear all the time that the, the young people are the future of this church. Uh, I, I don't believe in that statement. I think they're the, the present. They're the current. They're the right now in this church. Um, and they need, they need more, uh, more and more individuals involved in their lives. Um, it is a beautiful, wonderful thing uh, to see uh, what you get in return, even though you don't ask for it, what you get in return from these young people. Uh, they have so much to say. They have so much knowledge, so much experience. Um, that has poured um, so much joy into my heart over the last four or five years here at Greenville Oaks. Uh, and I, I strongly encourage each and every one of you to do the same. Good morning. I'm Deb Tejan, and I had a beautiful launch. I went, went to a little tiny church in Ohio. It was a family affair. My dad was the song leader. My uncle was the preacher. My grandpa was one of two elders. My mom and my aunt taught church, and I guess if we had had a youth group, it would have been my cousins and I. And so we were well-grounded in the world, and from all um, outward appearances, it would appear that I was launched well. However, as Colin had mentioned, nobody realized that I was one degree off. And that one degree in the calculations happened when my dad and my grandparents were killed in an accident when I was in high school. But growing up in a congregation where the majority of those people were your family, what I didn't have was my five. I didn't have those five other people that I could go to and say, I'm hurting, I'm angry, I don't, I don't, this doesn't make sense to me. And so I went off to college, and just like Colin's um, illustration, the further I went, being just that one degree off, the further away from my target I went. I, I tease people and say that that period in my life was called my alien inhabitation period because that is the most logical explanation for the way I acted during those few years. One problem about being inhabited by an alien is that you should never make major life decisions. But I did. And so I got married and things were really off. I was what, I don't know what, that about 4,000 miles away from my target. Um, and suddenly I have a baby. And my, I came coming, I came back to earth really, really quickly and realized that I was off my target. So I ended up in Richardson, Texas, in, at Richardson East Church of Christ. But with the upbringing that I had in that little tiny church, I really saw my role as a divorced woman being sitting toward the back, keeping my mouth closed and getting out of service as quickly as I could so as to not embarrass anyone. Well, I had two little sisters in the youth group, and they were going on a weekend retreat, and some people had gotten sick, and so they were looking for people to fill the place. So I said, you know, I'd be happy to go, but I'm divorced. And Ed Eason and Larry James looked at me, and they said, do you realize that a portion of the children going on this retreat this weekend are going to get be in that exact same situation and we need role models for them, too. We need to, someone to show them how that they can walk in that life and still honor God and 
and uh, be part of a church. And it was that statement that relaunched me without having that degree of error in my launch. Good morning, church. Um, Several years ago, I was really struggling in my marriage. And I sought out the counsel of an older cousin of mine who's a very faithful woman. And one day at lunch, we were talking and um, she was listening. I was talking and I said something along the lines of, I just feel like I deserve more. I feel like I deserve better. And she paused and she looked across the table from me and she said, that is just the thing. You do not. And obviously as a rule following little Christian girl, I was offended. I was taken aback, but I could not quit thinking about that. And as I processed that statement over the next weeks and months, um, it placed a seed in my heart to um, explore why everyone deserves more. And not just me, and not just the people that grew up like me, or look like me, or talk like me, or go to our church, um, but all people. Jesus came to die for all people. And um, those two words that she said put me on a journey. Um, A couple of years ago, I decided to change careers into social work, um, where I specialize in working with people with severe mental illness and addiction issues. And um, I'm so thankful that she spoke hard truth into my life. Um, And I'm learning that sometimes those hard truths that our mentors speak into us feel offensive at first, but they're things that our heart needs to hear. Um, She put me on a path that is changing my future. And I'm very thankful for that. Thank y'all so much. Would y'all give a hand to all these on stage of shared stories? Church, we're trying to tell more stories because stories are ways to give glory to God for things that often stay hidden in our lives. And I'm grateful for the vulnerability, uh, for the willingness to share about difficult moments in our lives, for the, for the willingness to share about those people that m- people may never know about. Those are the people that planted seeds that said an important thing at a dark moment or at a, a, a moment of kind of growing up and beginning to kind of launch into uh, what the future holds. These stories, and I got to read so many more over these last couple of weeks, thanks to you all, are amazing stories. And we don't tell them enough and we don't give space for them enough. And, and often that we don't feel safe to share these kind of stories. And I want us to be more and more the kind of church that gives glory to God, for the things that God does in our lives. Be able to not just tell the stories that are cleaned up stories about the bow was all tied and everything was perfect, but is able to say, even in the hardest of times, I don't know where God is, but I trust he's here. I put my hope in him. And I'm grateful for these stories that are being shared and more we'll share this year as we try to be a church that doesn't just put on a mask when we come together. My life's been a mess at times. I struggle with doubt a lot in my life. And every day is not a perfect journey for me up and to the right. And my guess is that's true of everyone in this room. But what I know is those seeds that get planted deep down, those words that are spoken that change the trajectory of our lives, they make a difference and they can change our lives in so many ways. Let's give God the glory for those moments. Let's tell more of those stories. And let's believe that when we step into the life of another, there's opportunity for God to do things beyond what we can imagine. Some of you do this every single Sunday when we gather. 
And the only way those seeds get planted is if we have enough time outside of our teaching time that we're with people to build trust to where we can speak the hard word in the moment. We can speak the word of encouragement in the moment. And it'll mean more than just somebody that drives by making a comment. We know they love us. We know they care for us. They have our trust. And so I'm wondering in what ways you are being able to step in and develop trust with others in this church, our students, our children, our young adults, Others that are going through difficult times in their lives. All of these moments, this is why we gather as a church is like Deb said, we want every student, every child, but everybody in this church really to have five people in their lives that they're walking with. They can go to with any question, anything that's going on. A lot of us right now, we don't know who those five would be. I want to ask you to get closer and to step in deeper to relationship and to grow that list for yourself, but also to be that kind of person for others. Because we need people in our lives who can plant seeds. that can help us make that one degree shift that can be all the difference. And that's why we come together as a church every Sunday. Is, is we come together to create the kind of relational space. To be able to step into each other's lives enough to maybe build a relationship over time. With people we can trust our kids with. With people we can trust our spouses with when they need that. For people that we can trust ourselves with. So that God can do the remarkable work that we can't do on our own. I'm grateful for all those who are engaging online right now, worshiping with us. Some of you are here regularly, and sometimes it's because you're sick or you have a sick kid or something brings you here with us. And others of you, you haven't yet made that step into our church family. And I want to encourage you to think about that next step, whether that's here or whether that's where you live elsewhere. Because online community can't do what being in a church community can if we can begin to open and develop our lives with one another in trusting ways. Church, I want us to be more of that in the days to come. Let me pray for us right now, and then we'll close our time with a blessing before we head on from here. God, I give thanks for these stories. I give thanks for the ways that small things we never imagined could make big differences do. And it's not through our power and it's not through our foresight and it's not through anything that we're able to manage on our own, but you use us as your hands and your feet. You use people like Ina and Larry and Ed. You use people in churches in our past and you use people in the business world that are around us. You use all kinds of people to speak your message to us. And I pray that we would see that small changes, small words, small acts can make massive life-changing differences in the lives of people in our church family and those beyond who have not yet come to follow Jesus. God, would you give us the words to speak? Would you give us the acts to do? And would your spirit fill in the gaps in ways we never imagined that those acts and those words can do to change the trajectory of people in your kingdom for generations? Because these words that were spoken over Larry and over Deb and over Debbie and over Cameron and over Jamie, over all these people who were on stage, over Larry, that these people would realize that it wasn't just the impact on their life that was made. It was on the lives that they would touch beyond that, that would make all the difference. So God, may we speak and may we move with an awareness that you are active and doing things beyond our awareness. And may we also tell stories about others in our lives who've done the same for us. God, help us to be more of your church, your kingdom people on earth, And may you do the miraculous in so many churches and in our church. So many times we have not been that kind of place. 
We have not been that kind of people that have been present to the people who are in the midst of suffering, who have been present to speak a word of comfort or a word of challenge that's needed. And I, God, I, I pray you would do what you need in this place so that we can be more so that. And that you would give us boldness and courage in our community and in, in our work and in our neighborhood to speak those words and to do the acts that you will use to change generations in the days ahead. I thank you for the ways you've done that in our lives and the ways you've passed on this deposit of faith. And we don't want it to stop here. We want it to continue. So God, we pray for all those seniors who are about to be launched. Pray they'll stick and find their community. Pray for all those who are watching online, God, that they would find just the person they need in the midst of whatever it is they're searching for, in the midst of whatever challenge they have. And may they know that their words make a difference as well. And may you gather amongst each of us whatever level of commitment we have here and whatever level of attachment or detachment, God, that you would connect us to people who can speak into our lives and those people that we'll have the boldness to speak into as well. And I pray this in the name of Jesus who did these very things on planet Earth. And we say together, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. We hope this message helps you in your walk to find real significance in Jesus. Connect with us on Facebook. You can find and like our page at Greenville Oaks. Discover more about the Greenville Oaks Church online at greenvilleoaks.org.